Hey, it's Eric G. Around the House is sponsored by Baldwin Hardware. For 75 years, Baldwin Hardware has been known for its first-class quality and craftsmanship in door and cabinetry hardware. As an alumnus of the Baldwin Hardware Design Council, I can say I have seen the details and quality from design to the finished product. If you're looking for a new style and old-world craftsmanship, I can tell you there is only one Baldwin Hardware. Check out what would look great in your home at baldwinhardware.com. It's Around the House. Hey friends, happy holidays. We got a jam-packed show here in this first hour of Around the House. We're gonna be talking with William White about how to get that tile clean and make it look for all of your guests coming over. And then we'll talk to whiskey and bourbon expert, Andrew Pace. And then we are gonna make sure that you are covered with your insurance. We're gonna talk to my insurance guy, Tony Russell of Tony Russell Insurance here in the Pacific Northwest. And we're going to talk to him about making sure that you have renter's insurance, the right insurance, and your right homeowner's insurance, all in today's episode coming up. This is one you don't want to miss. Hold on tight. Let's do this. When it comes to remodeling and renovating your home, there is a lot to know. But we've got you coming. This is Around the House. When it comes to tile, there is one person I lean on, and that is William White, Artex Americas. Welcome back to Around the House, my friend. Eric, good to see you, my friend. You know, I wanted to talk today because, you know, it's kind of getting into fall, late summer, times are changing. You know, it's I love it, but people are getting inside the house and looking around going, I got some stuff to do in here. And man, I don't know about you, but if you've got old tile out there, there's so many people looking at that half inch gravel line from 1987 that are going, how do I get this back to the color it was intended to be? That's a that's a fair question. It. It might also be time to update that tile too. Just say <laughs> But sometimes we have to work with what we've got. And I got hear it. you. I mean, we just wrapped up a bunch of outside projects here at our place. And you're right. It is it is time to start moving back inside. Um, you know, it, it is important to point out that the grout that we had, you know, 10, 20 years ago is completely different than the grout we have now. The 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 grouts we have now are so much stronger and more stain resistant and more robust. Um, but specifically dealing with, you know, that that older grout joint that has maybe a little wider grout, that's probably going to be a little bit more of a basic grout that may take a little bit of elbow grease just to get it cleaned up, you know? Yeah, because I tell you what, uh, you know, I think everybody's had that house where you pull out the dishwasher in the kitchen and you go... That grout is a completely different color than I thought it was. Totally, totally. And that's a good time to go, all right, we might have to do some, a little bit of grout maintenance here. So, you know, basically your grout maintenance, your daily maintenance is just sweeping and vacuuming or having a little Roomba run around and just pick up that daily dirt and debris that, you know, the dogs and we carry in on our shoes. Yeah. As you're talking about getting in and doing a deeper cleanse, a lot of times, you know, we're really going to have to use, you know, our daily cleaning. Uh, we can damp sponge with something that's a neutral pH. Yep. Uh, but when we get into that deeper cleaning, we may have to use something that's it's uh, a little more acidic, um, just slightly acidic. And what that'll do is go in there and, and deep clean the dirt out of there. 
Now, it is important sometimes to understand as we get into treating actual stains, that stains can either be organic or inorganic. And depending on where those stains originated from, we may actually have to use a little bit of base to attack them slightly different than an acidic does. Um, but generally speaking, you can go to your you know home improvement center. You can get something that is a heavy duty grout and haze cleaner. That's yeah. going to be something that's slightly acidic. Now you are going to have to scrub with that. You are going to have to put a little elbow grease in it. This isn't something that you can just mop on and magically it's going to scrub the dirt off the grout for you. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure we have some guys that are probably working on self-cleaning grout, but that's not a thing yet. Not yet. <laughs> so you are going to have to take like a stiff bristle brush. It's going to take, you know, a Saturday morning and you're, you're just going to have to get down there and, and do some scrubbing to release that dirt from the grout joint and then do a damp mop over top of it. And the most important part of that entire process is going to be getting a sealer back on there. Right. Because those older grouts don't have that fortification built in them, which is why it got so dirty in the first place. We are going to have to put some sealer back on there. Got it. That makes sense. And what do you think about people that, uh, you know, you see commercials of companies coming in and they got the steam cleaner and the gloves and they're going crazy. Is that a viable option or is there some risk to doing that? So our company really doesn't encourage the use of heavy duty commercial steam. Um, now the, like the shark steamer that somebody has at home, that's pretty effective and it doesn't, it's not quite to the same extent that a commercial steamer would be. The nice thing that I do see is a lot of times those commercial companies and depending on how much tile you have, if you have, you know, a couple hundred square feet, that's one thing you have a couple thousand square feet. Yeah, you know, you might be worth hiring a professional for something like that. Sure. But a lot of times those professionals do have auto scrubbers that are going to scrub that surface of the of the natural stone tile and grout. Got it. Just something that's going to make their life a lot easier as a professional, but something sure. that you're not going to have as a homeowner because it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Right. Right. Got it. Well, and this so here's one question for you, William. Let's say you get it all cleaned up, right? You get your cleaners, you're scrubbing away, everything's looking gorgeous. And then you walk down and you go into the home center and you see that there's a $7 sealer there, but then you go into your professional tile store and there's a $70 sealer there and you're going, what am I doing? 100% you get what you pay for with sealer. I, I, I cannot preach that enough that, you know, it's, it's all about the solids that are in it, the actual protection in it. You get what you pay for. If you pay $7, $10 for something and you pay, you know, $50 or $70 for something, you're getting a better quality product. Um, there's actually more protection in it. Um, and understanding that, you know, sealing, it used to be that everything was solvent based. And it was a stinky mess. You'd have to oh. do it with the doors and windows open. Might as well brought a gas can in the house, right? Totally. And then like cross ventilation with some fans going on it. Nowadays, almost all of our sealers are actually waterborne sealers. And we've found that the waterborne sealers can actually penetrate deeper into natural stone and deeper into the grout and provide, you know, as good of 
or if not even better protection than some of the older solvent-based um, sealers would. You know, that makes sense because that's what water is what got that there to begin with, right? 100%, 100%. You know, it's it's water, whether it's, you know, right around the dog bowl or just walking in from the yard and, and having a little bit of, you know, moisture from the grass, or as we start heading into our rainy season. Most of the time, our stains and contaminants are carried in by water. So if we can block that water from going into the grout joint, we're going to block it from staining and, and actually getting into the grout itself, which leads me to a good point. How do you tell if your grout is sealed or not? Right. I mean, because yeah. maybe you just bought the house. You don't know. Yeah. Pretty no easy. Knows. Just take your water bottle, pour some water on like a one inch strip of grout. Watch it for about a minute. Wipe that water away. And if you have a dark spot, that means you're not protected. That means water's able to penetrate down in there. Probably time to look at some sealing, whether you're doing it yourself or hiring a company to do it for you. Um, definitely time to consider some maintenance there. So if you've got a travertine maybe out of the 2000s or you got some marble, something like that, would the same go for those, those two materials as well? 100%. Yeah, natural stone is exactly the same as the grout. Um, typically, you know, most all natural stone is porous to some degree at, at some level. And, you know, if you have natural stone, that's that's you have all the beauty and character of natural stone, but it does require some care and maintenance specific to stone. And that's going to be some scrubbing, some sealing. Um, you may have some natural clefting in there, like with a slate or something that needs to be cleaned out. Um, and again, you get what you pay for, you know, with with sealers. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I've seen sealers that come in aerosol bottles that you can do standing up and walk down your grout joints. Around the house, show, will be right back. Don't go anywhere. to the Around the House show. Now, if you want to find out more about us, head over to aroundthehouseonline.com. Now, let's get back to our conversation with William White from Ardex about how to clean and care for that tile around your house and have it always looking its best. Let's do it. Um, you may have some natural clefting in there, like with a slate or something that needs to be cleaned out. Um, and again, you get what you pay for, you know, with, with sealers. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I've seen sealers that come in aerosol bottles that you can do standing up Yikes. and walk down your grout joints. Now, they're claiming that they're prevent they're providing some level of protection. I don't know how much protection that is, but again, you're going to get what you pay for. Spend the time, spend the money, do it right. Do it that once. That makes perfectly good sense. Yeah. And then, then you don't have to worry about it, right? For a while. What do you recommend? And I know it comes down to the sealer you use, you know, is it, uh, you know, or, or the wear or the traffic in that area, but is this something that you should be looking at doing every six months, year, two years? What's the, the general recommendation for a high quality sealer? 
you know, for a high quality sealer, you know, the sealers, when I was installing professionally, um, they were saying once every 20 to 25 years. Now, I figured if I got half of that out of it or a homeowner got half of that out of it, you know, if it's something I had to do 10 years, but I had to scrub the floor and get it down to clean and all that, that's not too bad, all in all considering. Now, the other thing that, that does come into play is your maintenance schedule. How often are you mopping it? Because every time you're mopping it, every time you're walking across it, you actually are kind of pulling a little bit of that sealer out of there. Um, especially if you are using like some of the like sharp cleaners or steam cleaners, you know, the small residential ones, you know, they're going to be pulling a little bit of that sealer out each time. So, you know, again, your, your, your own personal maintenance schedule is going to play into that as well. So really, if you're every year, you're going down there and taking a peek at it and pouring some water and testing it out, that's really going to be your best bet. It sounds like. Absolutely. And it also allows you just to look at the grout and, and say, you know, how's it holding up? Do I have any cracked tiles? You know, which is why it's always a good idea to have a couple extra tiles saved. And, and you know, it, it gives you a chance to look over that entire installation. Maybe there's some caulking that needs to be cut out and replaced because caulking, again, there's another maintenance thing that, you know, it's not permanent and forever. You might have to replace that, too. And we see that more like in showers you know, where the caulking might need to be replaced. Ah. And I always encourage people to use only 100% silicone. Um, it does come color matched in all the colors of all the grouts out there. Uh, but using a color matched caulking uh, silicone is, is the only way to go. You don't really want that acrylic stuff in your installation. Unless you like doing it every year, right? Because it's going to crack. It's going to shrink 100%. It's going to look nasty. Gonna look yeah, nasty. Yeah, totally. And then if you've got that 80s tile, maybe it's time for an upgrade. Let's be honest. It might be time to replace it. You know, 12 by 12s with quarter inch or half inch grout joints, they're kind of a thing in the past. You know, now we're going to larger format tiles with tighter grout joints, which is actually means less maintenance, right? In the grand yeah. scheme of things. Um, and you can put and a grout in, right? That's gonna be so much easier to take care of because you can now use that new technology. Exactly. And now they've got some of these, you know, single component grouts that don't require sealing whatsoever. Um, you know, it, it just there are so much better technologies out there that make it easier to the end consumer, really. But one tip, you still got to clean it. <laughs> we don't have self-cleaning grout yet. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe someday the smart guys are working on that one. There we go. William, thanks for coming on today, brother. Where's the best place for people to find you guys uh, for all your components out there for doing a, a tile job? Uh, so Artix Americas is our website um, and we have all of our, we, you can locate a rep on there. You can locate a distributor. You know, you can even call into our technical services and, and we have a really excellent technical services department that is more than happy to answer any questions that people may have. Thanks for coming on today, my friend. Can't wait till next time. Eric, always good to see you, brother. Take care. Thanks, William. I appreciate it. Now, let's go talk holidays and really whiskey. If you're thinking about whiskey or bourbon or entertaining, this is a guy you should listen to, my buddy, Andrew Pace. You know, it was about time that we brought Andrew Pace back on again. We're not going to be talking mold this time. We're talking one of my favorite things. We're going to talk whiskey today. Andrew, welcome back to Around the House, my friend. It is fantastic to be here, Eric. I uh, I couldn't be more excited about this. You know, I talk about mold in houses all day long. This is fun. This is where we get to add to it, right, brother? 
<laughs> yep. <laughs> well, let's talk about the history of whiskey, man, and, and where we've gotten today, because I know for many homeowners out there, they've got their little bar on the side and they've got things, but so many people will go to the liquor store and go, huh, whiskey, whiskey spelled mm. differently, and this <laughs> bourbon thing. And we're going to leave out all the other scotches and stuff out of that, but it's it's a it's a deep dive if we get into that. <laughs> it's a deep dive, and it's incredibly confusing. Uh, you know, um, I think the best way to talk about it is how it kind of started, where where we started, and where we are right now. Uh, one of the things I'll say right now is uh, just to sort of um, bring this topic to the forefront because bourbon right now is the hot topic, right? All nationwide, yep. worldwide, actually. Um, all bourbons are whiskeys. Not all bur- not all whiskeys are bourbons. Okay, and go. so that's something to think about. Everything we talk about today will be a whiskey of some sort. Okay, it started back in about the seventh century uh, when the um, the uh, Muslim traders brought the concept of distillation for making tinctures and making perfumes mm-hmm. uh, to the Irish, uh, and the Irish took it and said. Okay, tinctures and medicines and perfumes, that's great, but we also have beer. What happens if we actually distill beer? And that's what turned into what we would what we known as um uh aquavitae or the water of life. That's where whiskey started. All right. So the Irish really started creating the first whiskeys. Then it went to Scotland. Yep. All right. Went next door. Scotland, as the Scots would say, they perfected it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a conversation we could have back and forth for centuries like they have. But (laughs) exactly. And then when uh, the the Scots and the Irish immigrated to the United States in the mainly the 17, 1800s, they brought with them the desire to distill a whiskey. They didn't have the ingredients that they had back in, in, in their homeland. So what do they started using? Rye and corn, because that's what we grew here in America. Yep. And so and, and then from that point, it's now gone literally worldwide. Whiskey is distilled on every continent in the world. Um, and some of the world's best whiskeys aren't even made in the countries that you could even think would be whiskey countries. Right. <laughs> and so there's so many to choose from just when it comes to comes to like scotch alone because i'm a, i'm really a, a a scotch whiskey fan yeah that's my forte yeah um there's over 3800 iterations of a scotch whiskey available at any given time anywhere in the world and they're all wow. different okay yeah here in the united states with bourbon whiskey which i'm also an executive steward of yep there's 14 1500 distilleries just of bourbon here in the united states all right so there are literally tens of thousands of styles available. When you go into a liquor store and you see that encyclopedia wall of whiskeys, where do you start? That is a great question. We'll answer that just as soon as Around the House returns. Welcome back to the Around the House show. Now, we've been talking with my buddy Andrew Pace, an expert in his own world of whiskey and bourbon. He's also our mold expert here on the show, but this guy has many talents. Now, let's get back to the program. 
there's 14, 1500 distilleries just of bourbon here in the United States. All right. So there are literally tens of thousands of styles available. When you go into a liquor store and you see that encyclopedia wall of whiskeys. Yeah. Where do you start? Right. That's the hard part for so many people because you can see something that is, uh, you know, a very inexpensive bottle. And then you can see something that costs more than what your first car was and everything in between. <laughs> Right, exactly. And, and what, what's the reason for the price difference? Scarcity is one of the things. The other thing is how old it is, how long it was sitting in a barrel. I mean, they're, they're paying taxes every year on that barrel of whiskey. And as that barrel of whiskey ages, it's also losing volume because of what's called the angel yep. share that's evaporating. So they may start out with a barrel that contains enough uh, liquid for 300 bottles of whiskey. Well, by the time they actually bottle it, is maybe only enough for about 150 at some sometimes. So the value gets more and more every year. And so it's not just about whether or not it's a a brand that is collectible, whether or not it's just one of those in brands. It's about everything that's gone into it to get into yeah, that, that bottle makes sense. State. I know one of the questions I see out that people have so many times is what is cask strength? Or, you know, they see that and go, wow, that looks that looks cool. What is that? <laughs> Yeah. So cast strength literally means it. this is the alcohol, uh, the ABV level, alcohol by volume level of what the whiskey is or was when it was taken out of the cask for bottling. Most often when you buy a bottle of whether it's a bourbon or an Irish or a scotch whiskey, it's been what's called mm -hmm. proofed down to a certain level. I, I've got a bottle in front of me. This is the Craig Gallaghy 13 Ooh. scotch. And this one was proofed down to a 46% nice. okay. ABV, all right? That means it's 92 okay. proof. Uh, whiskeys here in the United States are typically proofed down to about uh, 80 to 86 proof. So what they're doing is they're adding in water, and they're slowly blending it in before it gets bottled. And that way they can keep consistency. Uh, it's good for profit margins, of course. But it's what for consistency what people... Yes, are, are expecting when you buy a bottle of Woodford and you expect, you know, 92 proof, you're yep. going to get 92 proof. Uh, cast strength is whatever it came out of the cast gas. It could be 104 proof. It could be in some cases like a Jack Daniels single barrel cast strength. It could be 158. Ooh, that'll leave a mark. I mean, you know, this this it, it leaves a mark for sure. But so in the whiskey world, though. Uh, there's a, a big push for the cast strength because it gives the buyer options. Yeah. Um, I am a huge fan, huge fan. Anytime I've ever had a new whiskey, I always have it neat. Then I have it with a drop of water, then a couple more drops of water, and I might even put in an ice cube or something else because you have to experience what are called the altered states of whiskey until you find mm -hmm. that sweet spot for you. And with a cast strength, you've got all yeah. that room to work with. If it's already been proofed down to an 80 proof or an 86 proof, you can't really add too much water before it just kind yeah, of it just starts tastes like you had an flat. ice cube in it for way too long, and it's just kind of watered down. Right. Exactly, exactly. And then, of course, if you look at the economics of it, a cast strength whiskey is just better, better bang for your buck. I mean, you're getting more alcoholic content to it. Therefore, that bottle is going to last a long, longer time. Hopefully, uh, you know, the nice thing about whiskeys is that, you know, when you open a bottle of whiskey, that bottle of whiskey will yeah. never spoil. 
right? It may change. It may oxidize. The flavors might change a little bit, but it's not like a bottle of wine. You open up a $100 bottle of wine, you better drink it within the exactly. next 24 hours. You open up a $100 whiskey. I've got whiskeys that have been open for 10, 15 years that are just fantastic when I take yeah. a pour here. And, and, and that's what's great about the expensive ones is that, uh, you know, you go out and buy a $200 bottle of wine. And yeah, like you said, you've got 24 hours to consume. You know, some of these distilled spirits, you could sit there and go for a while with that. And um, it's not changing, which is which mm -hmm. is a nice side of the investment, shall we say. Yeah, it is. And, and so will it be the exact same flavor profile as you have when you first open it up? Probably not, mm -hmm. because oxidation does change whiskey a little bit. But I will say that there have been plenty of whiskeys. Matter of fact, the one I poured today, that's uh, this Craig Elhe, when I first opened it up about seven, eight years ago, I didn't like it. It, it was way yep. too sulfuric. It was too, it tasted too much like, you yep. know, smoked meats, even though there's no peaty flavor to it. But now that it's been open for a while and oxygen has a chance to do its thing, it's actually turned into a very pleasant, very easy drinking nice. whiskey. So if you get, that's a great tip right there. You know, if you can sit there and, and not enjoy it and go, okay, I'm going to let that sit for a little bit. Let's see what happens. It's almost like just waiting for the ice to do the thing in the glass when it's just, you know, you took a, a nice big ball of ice and threw it in there. If it's a little strong, give it a few minutes and that ice is going to knock it down a little bit. The oxygen is kind of doing the same thing, it sounds like. Yeah, it is. And and so I always get that question. Have you ever had a bad whiskey? Well, no, I've, I've had whiskey that wasn't right for the situation. I've had whiskey that required a little uh, alteration in order to make it to my flavor profile. But there really is no such thing as a That's bad a good whiskey. point. That's a good point. And, you know, <laughs> there's something for each price point out there, too. I know there's there's yeah. I'll be the first to say that I've got uh, Buffalo Trace sitting there as my bar house whiskey because. I know exactly what it is every single time. And for making a couple cocktails with it, for me, it's great for that. Well, and that's, you know, to that point, Eric, that this is why bourbon has become so yep. popular in this country. It's because the bourbons, almost all bourbons are actually yeah. blends of various distillates from the same distillery or the same ownership of, of distillation facilities. And so you're getting something that is, from bottle to bottle, from batch to batch, is going to taste almost identical. This is what happened back in the 1800s with Scotch whiskey. Uh, Scotch whiskey at the time was kind of like the Wild West of America. Like it's like everything tasted different, every batch was different. So blenders, you know, named you know Johnny Walker uh, and others created these blends so that their customers always knew that when they got a, a fresh uh, case of whiskey, it was going to take taste like it yeah. did last time. And bourbon has really captured that. They know how to do it well. And then you also know that if you like it neat and you also like it in cocktails and so forth, I mean, it just spans across that yep. taste profile. Um, and I think this is where um, one of the reasons why bourbon became so popular. It's also because bourbon is mm -hmm. a little sweeter than the yep. other uh, whiskeys. And so it just, it gets people to, to come from the side of drinking beer or wine and going into a bourbon is a little bit easier of a jump than it is to get into a, you know, a Lagavulin 16 that, you know, tastes like a peat fire. <laughs> and those are acquired tastes for some people. <laughs> yep. I love it, but it took me a Absolutely. long time to get there. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Andrew, what would you recommend out there for people to try out there before we run out of time here? Is there anything that uh, you're hot on right now that, uh, that, uh, Ooh, you should be trying this or what are some of your favorites these days? 
So I will say, I'm not, like I said before, I'm a huge fan of Scotch whiskey, but I'm also a fan mm. of Irish whiskey. And Irish whiskey, in my opinion, is that perfect bridge. If if you're a bourbon drinker and you want to start to explore a little bit, start exploring yep. Irish whiskeys. And here, I'll give you a couple of reasons. First of all, Irish whiskey is distilled okay. three times. All right. So it's going to be a smoother whiskey to drink neat. It is good in cocktails as well, but it's it's not that sometimes people will complain that Scotch whiskey mm -hmm. tastes a little harsh. Uh, Irish whiskey is going to be a little smoother because of the that third distillation. Sense. The second thing is most of Irish whiskey uh, is made from either a blend of grain whiskey or what's called a pot still. A pot still is going to be a combination of malted and unmalted barley. So you get more of a grain forward flavor to it. I believe that Irish whiskey is just the perfect step after bourbon and, and then on your way to scotch and some of the others. Uh, right now, some of my favorites are, I think, Redbreast uh, Irish so whiskey. Good. I mean, that is that to me. Yeah, that is that is uh, meat and potatoes right there for Irish whiskey for me. Andrew Pace, thanks for coming on today, man. You and I could make this an hour-long show, which unfortunately for the rest of the people expecting home improvement might be a twist they don't want to have. But I can't wait to have you on next time. We'll talk some mold too, and maybe some more whiskey. All right, my friend. Round the house. We'll be right back. You know, we've seen home prices go through the roof, but my question is, are you insured? We've got my buddy, Tony Russell, Tony Russell Insurance. Welcome to Around the House, my friend. Thank you, Eric. It's good to be here. Good to see you again. Ah, great to see you, buddy. You know, you and I used to work in the same building doing radio and, uh, you know, full disclosure, I leaned on you when I did my insurance because I was buying online and they didn't really right. realize how underinsured I was. And I went, hey, wait a minute, if I'm underinsured, a lot of people are too. So I thought I'd have you on the show and talk about that a little bit today. Yeah. You know, you want to focus more on the homeowner stuff as, uh, but yeah. if I could just say, if I could just say quickly, there are so many uninsured and underinsured auto motorists out there. So everyone needs to, to be very careful. I would look at, you know, go over your auto insurance with your agent, make sure you're, you're covered. I guarantee you state minimums, not going to be enough because the price of parts on cars, the price to repair them has skyrocketed. You do not want state minimums, but we're going to talk about homeowners. That's what you want to talk about. And the same is true for you it. You got it. Prices are skyrocketing. Man, it is. And you know, you think yeah. about it, our homes have been going up. Some people's homes have gone up 40 or 50% over the last seven to 10 years or more. Right. And then when you go out and buy an insurance policy online, I'm always concerned because, you know, for me, I haven't talked to anybody until I talk to you, for instance, about what I have in the house. And you might not get what you're paying for. You're a great example, especially we don't want to talk about too much what you got in your house. Right. But uh, <laughs> as you can see, people have seen it on the show. I've been doing a lot of projects. If you, know what I mean. you, you have you have nice things. Right. And so if, if I drove by your home. Or if you stood outside your home, you'd put a value on it. it just based on the structure. But if we said, well, he has a TV in his shower. <laughs> he, he has it. He has it. He has an alarm system, security system that's top notch. All those things that 
your many of your sponsors have been good enough to help you with that increased it, on your property remember how it really increased the value of your property once we added that and what people don't yeah. understand going back to the cars like when you buy a car and you add a, the big tires and you add the roll bars and you add all these nice things that's not covered if you're total your vehicle unless you let the agent know and they add those things to your policy same is true with your your home if i don't know you yeah. have those top-notch electronics throughout the house or or let's say some guys in your position and that have your background they love to work on the cars they love to work on homes they have tons of tools all those tools are not going to be covered yeah yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and it gets interesting, so you know, and I learned this the hard way a number of years ago. And I had, I was living in Seattle at the time and, you know, single guy, you know, single dad, but raising two kids. And, and all of a sudden I come home and, you know, 1920s house with kind of the barn style garage doors and my right. garage doors are sitting in my driveway because somebody hooked a chain to it and drug it wow. off the building. Yeah. And I had an empty garage, you know, and. Right didn't start reading the fine print until then because I didn't realize that, okay, only a little bit of that was covered. And then I had to go out and pay for those tools and work through the reimbursement process. I didn't have seven or eight grand in my pocket to go out and get tied up for no. six months while I went through that process. And that was tough. It is. And that's why that's, you know, I understand going online and buying things. It's quick, it's simple, but when it comes to your home, your autos, you want someone who's going to ask you the right questions. You know, it's um, it's like going on WebMD to diagnose your problem and saying, oh, I must have a strep throat because that's what MD, WebMD says. If you'd have gone to the doctor and he'd asked you a few more questions, maybe you find out you have something worse. And so the question, so when exactly. you call your agent, they need to add, they'll ask you the right questions. Um, a deck on the back of the house, that could be very expensive. You know, how big is it? Some sure. people have it the entire length of their home. And so you need to know that because, again, if the house is totaled and you only have one there that you had a back patio, the deck's not covered. And so you need to know those things. The, the big thing to remember right now, and, and I know if you've looked at your most recent renewal on your homeowners in the last six months, you're probably shocked. And what yeah. we're being told uh, don't shoot the messenger is it's all based on inflation. It's based on inflation. Uh, the price of lumber is astronomical. And so that's what's, that's what's causing these rate increases. And, and that's why you need to make sure you have enough coverage. It's called, you know, it's that, it's that structure, a coverage where you're, what well, I know a lot of your, this may sound like, well, no doubt, but only the structure yeah. is covered, right? Because the land's going to stay. So you're, you're not, it's not based yeah. on the value of like your real estate agent comes and they appraise everything. As an agent, we're just, as an insurance agent, we're just looking at the structure itself. How is it designed? Is it custom built? That's a big one, right? Uh, versus just standard yeah. built. Uh, do you have a lot of wood flooring? Do you have a lot of carpeting? All those things need to be figured in so you get the right price. And if God forbid something happens, you get covered with the same material that the house was built. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you don't. Yeah, want, and it can be tough when yeah. you've got an older home, for instance. Let's say it was built in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, or even 60s. And now you're trying to build that to current 2023 building code. 
It's tough. And some of those materials that you wanted to put back in there were very expensive compared to what they were 50, 60, right. 70 years ago. Right. That adds up quick. And you need to make sure that you've got that covered versus just building a spec house back on the same lot that didn't have those same materials in it. Yeah, that's a great point because like downtown Portland, downtown Seattle, and some of these older towns too that just have these beautiful old restored homes. Yeah, you definitely want to know what you're doing when you get those insured because some of those some of that yeah. um, some of those products are still available. Most are not, but you right. want to make sure you get them. You get it built back to as close as they will get it for you. Absolutely. And the same goes for people out there that are apartments that are maybe wanting to be homeowners out there. You know, my daughter, I gave her a big speech about making sure that she had uh, renter's insurance because she's a new renter. And I tell you what, you want to be covered in those situations, because if you're trying to put money away to get a house one day, if you have a total loss and that could be not your fault, right? That could be somebody in the unit below you falling asleep, smoking one night and all of a sudden everything's gone while you're at work. Absolutely. Uh, one client, a uh, teenage daughter was, you know, burning a candle in her apartment, in the apartment. They, they had a three bedroom apartment, two or three bedroom. One of the daughters was just burning the candle, caught, caught the drapes on fire, burned the whole, burned the room. Luckily they had sprinklers, which is a discount by the way, on your cool. insurance, if you let them know you have discounts. Nice. But so they would have never gotten renter's insurance, but the complex made them buy it. And so what happened yep. though, they were put up in a hotel for an entire month, all their personal belongings were covered. And then once everything was restored, they moved back into the apartment that cost them $15 a month. <laughs> That's what they paid. Right. For 15 bucks a month. Yeah. And you can't, you can't go through drive through for two people and get a meal out of that. <laughs> no. And people always underestimate how much they have in personal property. So oh. I try to go a minimum with, you know, some, maybe a couple living in uh, a home or so, uh, you know, a minimum of 75,000. It may sound like a lot to people, but just walk around your, walk around your apartment, walk around your home and just start, maybe take a calculator just for fun and see, oh my gosh, I paid $5,000 for that big screen TV, you know, or, what, or that huge screen TV. And to yeah. that, that brings us to a really important point, Eric, is make sure that you get that replacement cost content. What that means, you want to make sure you ask the agent, are you going to replace that big screen TV as if it's new or at a depreciated value? I, I'm a typical yep. guy, right? I keep coming back to big screen TVs. Uh, the, the TV, uh, so you want, I, I want a new TV. I don't want, I don't want you to say, oh, well, you paid eight hundred dollars for that tv giving you three so it's 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 literally or more, just you can go out and buy something at costco for 1800 bucks and it's two years old and they're like well that thing's worth 200 bucks because it's a it's a right? you know not the latest model and you're in trouble yep take pictures of your valuables make sure you if you have diamonds you have uh so a lot of people collect firearms things like that and it, art you need, yeah yeah art is a big one uh that's not covered it's only covered to a certain extent unless you schedule it. You just use these words with your agent. They'll know say, hey, I have a, an engage." A lot of women will say, hey, I got this nice engagement ring. I know he's broke. He's never going to be able to buy me anything like this again. <laughs> can we make sure, can we make sure this thing's covered? 
I don't care about him. He's going to, if he leaves, that's all right. I need to make sure this ring is covered. Uh, things like that are just really important. Um, and you, you don't think about that when you just go online and just start checking boxes. No question, get. man. Tony, hey, man, thanks for being my insurance expert. I wanted to bring you on just to talk about this stuff because I think it's important for everybody out there, whether you're a homeowner or a renter. Yeah, Eric, it's always good to see you. I love what you're doing and, and congratulations on your huge success. This is great. Hey, if you live in the Pacific Northwest, hit up Tony Russell at TonyRussellInsurance.com. Around the house, we'll be right back for hour number two. Don't go anywhere. Hey, it's Eric G from Around the House. Are you planning a decking or siding project this year? If you are, you've got to check out my friends at Millboard. Millboard is a completely different kind of composite decking and cladding that enhances outdoor spaces with enduring distinction. Hand molded from the finest oak, it realistically mimics the natural grain and color of premium hardwood. If you're looking for something that doesn't look like plastic and instead real wood, check out millboard.com. Make sure and check out that interview we did just a few weeks back. That's millboard.com.